Our text is going to be from Leviticus 23. No fear, I have a picture you can look at in a moment. Um, I'll let you know when we can see that there, Eric, but you can see the, the shofar for yourself here in a minute. You can hear it too, if technology works. But uh, Leviticus 23, verses 23 through 25 is going to be our text. Coming to the Feast of Trumpets, as Betsy said, the Feast of Trumpets. Why don't we stand and read together? I think it's good if we don't have a song to stand up for a moment, stretch out our legs, and do it out of reverence as well. So Leviticus 23, verses 23 through 25, hear the word of the Lord. The Lord said to Moses, say to the Israelites, on the first day of the seventh month, you are to have a day of rest, a sacred assembly commemorated with trumpet blasts. Do no regular work, but present an offering made to the Lord by fire. This is God's Word. May the Spirit bless us as we study it together. Why don't we pray? Lord God, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the the correction and the rebuke and the life-giving instruction that is set before us in it. Lord, we thank You for the ways in which You were pointing us forward already to the work of Christ and the work of the church way back in the Old Testament. And we thank you for the opportunity we have to see that again this morning through the Feast of Trumpets. Lord, be with me as I uh, preach this morning. Help me to do so well uh, for your name's honor and glory. Be with each of us as we listen. Help us to listen well. Lord, help us to remember that which is from you. And whatever might be just from me, may we forget it quickly. All this we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Please be seated. Several weeks ago, in the middle of one of our uh, council meetings, all at once, nearly every phone in the room began vibrating. Some were sitting on the table, others were in pockets. Uh, All at once, the room was filled with that familiar Now, what caused this, you ask? Well, school caused it. School had just decided to cancel for the next day due to weather, and, uh, and the automated call systems from both McBain and NMC, I think if I remember right, it was quite remarkable, they were pretty much synced up, uh, sent out the alert that there was no school the next day. Of course, that is, that is one of the ways announcements are made in 2019. In ancient Israel, uh, of course, it was a different story. There were no cell phones to buzz, there were no televisions through which an announcement could be made. And so one of the methods in the ancient world and in ancient Israel for making an announcement, for sending out an alert, for getting the people's attention, was the blowing of a horn or a trumpet. And this is ultimately what the Feast of Trumpets is about. Through this feast, God is simply getting His people's attention. Through this feast, He is alerting them to spiritual realities. All of us know that there are, there are times in life when we need to be woken up spiritually. That's what the Feast of Trumpets is meant to do. You can see in the text that the Feast of Trumpets is to take place on the first day of the seventh month 
This feast, it marked the end of the agricultural season in Israel. By now, not only the grain has been harvested, but the fruit and the vegetables have been harvested as well. This feast also marked the beginning of the most holy month on Israel's calendar, as the the seventh month contained the highest concentration of feasts and festivals, and it included the very solemn and very holy Day of Atonement, which we will look at next week, Lord willing. I ought to say one more thing uh, in as far as introducing the feast is concerned. Uh, today, this feast is known by the more familiar name, Rosh Hashanah. Who's heard those words before? Rosh Hashanah. We've heard that, right? That's a little bit more familiar. If you go home and look at your calendar, uh, you will see the words Rosh Hashanah on September 30 this year. Uh, that, is, that is this feast. Rosh Hashanah comes from this Rosh Hashanah is simply Hebrew for, for head of the year, uh, and this is, this is the beginning of the year on the Jewish civil calendar, not on the biblical calendar. On the biblical calendar, this is the seventh month. The first month is the month of Passover. We looked at that a few weeks ago. There God reset the calendar. He said, this is to be the, the first month of your year. Uh, but this is, this is the, the beginning of the year on the civil calendar, which became part of Israel's framework after the exile in Babylon, okay? And then the Feast of Trumpets then marks the beginning of the year. It's since been termed Rosh Hashanah, head of the year. That's really uh, uh, enough about that this morning. Uh, What does the feast entail? Well, we see in verse 24 that it entailed a day of rest. It was one of those special Sabbaths that were observed in addition to the ordinary weekly Saturday Sabbath. So it was very much like a holiday is to us. It involved also a sacred assembly, as many of these feasts and festivals did. In fact, all of them did. The people were to come together in the presence of the Lord. It involved an assembly, and then perhaps most notable, it involved trumpet blasts. Right? You can see that all right there. It involved, it involved trumpet blasts. Now, there are two kinds of trumpets that are spoken about in the Old Testament. There are trumpets made of hammered silver, uh, probably a little bit smaller. They would probably go at a higher pitch, maybe replicate a little bit more what trumpets look like today. Um, we read about these in Numbers chapter 10, these trumpets that are made of hammered silver. There was also what Betsy just showed to the kids, the, the shofar. And the shofar, S-H-O-F-A-R, the shofar was made from a ram's horn. Now, the Bible does not specify which trumpet was blown on the Feast of Trumpets. It very well could have been both kinds, but Jewish tradition has generally leaned toward the blowing of the shofar or the ram's horn on this day, and so that's generally what's associated with it. If you'd go into a synagogue today on Rosh Hashanah, you would hear the blowing of the shofar of the ram's horn. We got a picture, Eric, I think. We can show people simply that. It's a ram's horn. We actually have a sound bite too, Kyle. It's like, we'll just listen to it. It's like 20 seconds long. That's it. That's the shofar. Actually, another pastor had said he ordered a shofar off Amazon, and then you could actually learn to play it. And I was like, that's really cool. And then I just realized I could do this, and it was a little bit easier. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, that's, that's, that's the shofar. That's 
sort of the sound it made, depending on the ram's horn, it could be higher, it could be lower, but that's, that's roughly what the noise that people heard uh, on, on the Feast of Trumpets. And, and there's several different theories as far as, as how it worked. Betsy said some, some theories say that the trumpet was played all night. Some say it was played all day from dusk till dawn, or dawn till dusk, I guess. Um, others say that it was just played when the people convened. Um, not exactly sure. Scripture doesn't specify. But uh, this, was, this was blown uh, for much of the day on the Feast of Trumpets. Now, what's the significance of this feast? The Bible doesn't say a lot about it. It really doesn't. Much of what we know about it comes from, from tradition, and so we need to be careful not to kind of crown tradition as the ultimate authority. Uh, scripture doesn't say a lot about it, but it does say it does say a lot about trumpets and about the blowing of trumpets. And when we read this feast in light of the rest of Scripture, I think we can, I think we can get a pretty good idea uh, what it's all about exactly. And I'm going to give you three words this morning to help you understand it. Three words. All of them start with P, which is extra points for me, but three words, okay, that will help us understand the feast of trumpets. The first word is presence. Not presence as in Christmas presence, but presence as in God's presence. P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E. Presence. The Feast of Trumpets is about a presence. There are many instances in the Bible of trumpets being blown after Leviticus 23. Uh, Trumpets are blown uh, as a call for the people to come together. They're blown as a command for Israel to move out especially when they're in the desert. The trumpets are blown as a call to war. They're blown to signify that a new king is on the throne in Israel. They're blown as a warning of of God's judgment. They're blown also as a means of worship and celebration. There are are many instances after Leviticus 23 of trumpets being blown, and they're blown for a whole host of different reasons. There's only one instance of trumpets being blown before Leviticus 23. And it's when Israel is at the foot of Mount Sinai. This is what we read. This is from Exodus 19, verses 16 through 19. On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning, with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the front of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace. The whole mountain trembled violently, and the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. Okay, that's the only instance of a trumpet sounding before Leviticus 23. That's the only real antecedent, as it were, to this event. So when the people would have heard the trumpet sounding as they came together to celebrate the Feast of Trumpets, that's where their minds would have went back to, to Israel at the foot of Mount Sinai and to the trumpet that was sounded there. Now, what did that, what did that trumpet signify at Mount Sinai? Well, well it, was, it, was in, it sounded in relation to the presence of God as it descended on the mountain. And, and although trumpets are blown for a whole host of reasons throughout the Bible, announcing the presence of God is its most well-known and significant function. Someone says to you, 
hey, this will be here till the trumpet sounds. What does your mind go to? It goes to, to the return of Christ, right? Announcing the presence of God is its most significant and well-known function. Think of Joshua in the battle of Jericho. They march around the city, it's a, and, it, and their marching is accompanied by the sounding of trumpets. And it's on the seventh day after the seventh time around when the trumpets sound and the people shout that those walls of Jericho collapse. Now, did the trumpets collapse those walls? No. God collapsed those walls. The trumpets just announced God's coming as a divine warrior on behalf of his people. The same thing happens in Judges 7. Gideon and his 300 men, they take down the entire Midianite army with torches and trumpets. But notice, if you read that story, you'll notice that it's when the trumpets are sounded that the Lord caused the Midianites in the camp to turn on each other with their swords. Again, the Lord did it. The trumpets just announced the Lord's coming and the Lord's presence as a divine warrior. 1 Chronicles 15 and 16, we read about the priests who blow the trumpets before the ark of God. What was the ark of God but the very place of God's presence? Think of the prophet Joel, Joel 2.1. Blow the trumpet in Zion, he says. Sound the alarm on my holy hill. Let all who live in the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. There again, the trumpet is associated with the Lord's presence as it alerts people to His coming. Then we turn to the New Testament. And this emphasis on the trumpet signifying the presence of God, it's even even more pronounced. Matthew 24, 31, Jesus is speaking. This is what He says, "...they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory, and He will send His angels with a loud trumpet call." And they will gather his elect from the four winds. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, probably the most familiar occurrence in the Bible. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. The most significant and well-known function of the trumpet in the Bible is, is announcing God's presence. Think of it like the song... Hail to the chief, which is often played when the president makes an appearance in public or, or on television. Perhaps you've been watching TV and, and suddenly the program you're watching, it cuts away and the news anchor comes on and he says, we interrupt this program. Maybe they don't do that anymore. Maybe that's old. But anyway, uh, we interrupt this program for an important uh, announcement and then you see the presidential seal on TV. I've seen that fairly recently. And, and then you hear hail to the chief playing and you know that in any moment... You're going to see the president's face on TV. The song announces his presence. It plays whenever he makes a public appearance or is about to make a public appearance. The trumpet is like that in the Bible. It signals the arrival of God. It's the announcement of God's presence. And the trumpet blaring all day long on the Feast of Trumpets was meant to be an audible symbol of God's presence in Israel. It was meant to alert the people to the one who dwelt among them. God is here. God is among us. Don't forget. That's the message of the trumpets. The second word to help us understand the feast is preparation. 
preparation. Okay, there's no doubt that as these horns blasted and as they served as audible symbols of God's presence, the people were at the same time being called to prepare themselves to be in God's presence. I mean, it's, it's only logical that if you're going to be in the presence of someone important, you prepare yourself for that. If you're going to meet your girlfriend or boyfriend's parents for the first time, you're probably going to prepare yourself for that in some way, shape, or form. You're going to make sure you're, you're, you're looking okay, boys. You'll probably make sure you're, you're, you're clean-shaven or at least nicely trimmed. Uh, maybe not. I saw Royce right over there as I said that. Maybe not, Royce. Maybe you didn't do that. <laughs> you get the point, though. You're going you're to prepare yourself to, uh, to, to be in the presence of someone important. Boys and girls, if... If uh, the president called and he said he was going to come pay your school a visit, mom and dad would probably say, hey, clean yourself up a little bit, wear some nice clothes, right? It's only logical that if we're going to be in the presence of someone important, there's a, there's a little bit of preparation that takes place. It's no different in Scripture. God's presence, time and time again, demands preparation, there's, there's something you need to do. You can't just keep going on like you have been. There's a, there's a preparation that needs to take place. We see this at Mount Sinai. Exodus 19 again, God tells Moses he's coming in a dense cloud. But before he does, he says to Moses, go and consecrate the people today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day. Because on that day, I'm coming to meet with them. The people need to prepare themselves for the Lord's coming. We can see this too in Joel, right? Joel 2, 1 through 11, the prophet describes the day of the Lord. And then starting at verse 12, he calls the people to prepare themselves for this day. He says, even now, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. So in 1 through 11, he talks about the approaching day of the Lord. Starting at verse 12, he says, prepare yourself for this day. Prepare yourself. Get ready. Rend your heart. Humble yourselves. We see this in the New Testament as well. Matthew 24 again. Jesus talks about his coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory to the sound of the trumpet. And then he goes on to say, hey, no one knows when this is going to happen. So keep watch. Stay alert. Be prepared. Then he goes on to tell those parables about the ten virgins and the talents and the sheep and the, sheep and the goats. And all of those parables are meant to call us to be prepared for the coming of Christ. See this in 1 Thessalonians as well. Chapter 4 is where we read about the Christ descending to the trumpet call of God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul says again, same thing Jesus says. Listen guys, no one knows when this is going to happen. It's going to come like a thief in the night. Therefore, let us not be like those who don't know the truth. Let us not be like those who are asleep. Let us be alert. Let us be self-controlled. Let us be ready. So we're not surprised. 2 Peter 3, same thing. Paul's writing about the day of the Lord. He says, or I'm sorry, Peter's writing about the day of the Lord. He says it's going to come like a thief. The heavens are going to disappear with a roar. Everything in it's going to be laid bare. Since this is going to happen, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. Simply put, you ought to be ready. Since this is going to happen, you ought to be ready. Prepare yourselves. God's presence demands preparation. 
And at the Feast of Trumpets, as, as Israel was alerted to the presence of God, they were then also being summoned to prepare themselves accordingly. They were, they were being summoned to get their spiritual affairs in order, as it were. Now, because of this, the, the, the day of trumpets or the feast of trumpets, it, it became a day of, of repentance, really. It became a day that involved silence and self-examination and confession. It became a day in which people took stock of their spiritual inventory. It was a day when they asked, hey, how's my relationship with God? Am I trusting Him? Am I being obedient to Him? Those are the kind of questions people ask as the trumpets blared. You know, I I hope we take time to do the same thing in our own lives. I hope we on, on occasion, and probably even more than on occasion, take time to ask ourselves, how's my walk with God? Am I living by faith? Am I walking in obedience? Am I practicing repentance? Are there sins in my life that I need to confess? How's my walk with God? How's the condition of my soul? If the trumpet were to sound this afternoon and Christ would return, am I prepared? Am I ready? Of course, the only way to truly be prepared is by looking to Christ alone for salvation. And that's ultimately where all these questions are meant to to drive us. But nevertheless, I hope we take time to kind of do a, a spiritual assessment on ourselves. I hope we take the time once in a while, and probably more than that, to, to, to ask the hard questions about ourselves and our souls. How's my life in light, of, in light of God's Word? Are there things I need to confess? Are there things I should be doing that I'm maybe not doing? It's interesting that this feast takes place at the end of the agricultural season. The people had been busy working in the fields for months, And you know how it goes when life gets busy. It's easy, isn't it? It happens to all of us. It's easy to sort of lose our spiritual way. As life gets busy without even realizing it, we often start trusting in ourselves or in the things of this world rather than in God. Or maybe our relationship with God, it it grows cold as worship and prayer and devotion sometimes get, get squeezed out. Or maybe, maybe some of those respectable sins like complacency or anger or discontentment, they kind of creep in and they, they suck the spiritual life out of us. The fact is, it's easy. It's easy to lose our way as life gets busy. It's easy to become spiritually drowsy, as it were. The Feast of Trumpets is meant to awaken God's people from their spiritual slumber. Was meant to call Israel first and now us to a living and vibrant and renewed faith in the Lord. Now, the third word to help us understand this feast is proclamation. Could also use the word preaching. I really had an internal wrestling match about which word to use. They're synonyms. I like proclamation better. Preaching sometimes has bad connotations. It means the same thing proclamation, preaching. In the first feast we looked at, uh, Passover, we, we saw a shadow and type of the cross, right? Passover pointed us forward to the cross. 
In the second feast of unleavened bread, we saw a shadow and a type of the tomb. In the third feast of first fruits, we saw a shadow and type and a preview of Jesus' resurrection. And then in the fourth feast of weeks, what we looked at last week, we saw a shadow and type and preview of Pentecost and of the giving of the Holy Spirit. In this feast, the feast of trumpets, we see a shadow and a type of the fundamental task that Christ has given to the Spirit-filled church. And it's the proclamation of the gospel. It's the, it's the preaching of the good news. In Isaiah 27, the prophet is speaking about the future deliverance of Israel. And this is what he says in verse 13. And in that day, a great trumpet will sound. Those who were perishing in Assyria and those who were exiled in Egypt will come and worship the Lord on the holy mountain in Jerusalem. Again, Isaiah is speaking about a day in the future when the Jews specifically here, who are lost in unbelief, who are scattered all over the world, who are perishing in, in Assyria, when those people are, are gathered, he pictures a day when those people who, who currently are lost in sin and unbelief, they return to the Lord. And notice the means by which he says these people return to the Lord. It's through the sounding of the trumpet. The trumpet calls them home, as it were. It calls them back to God. And we look at the New Testament then. We read this in light of the New Testament. It's, it's clear what this trumpet is. The trumpet that will call the Jews home is the preaching of the gospel. Paul says just this in Romans 10. These are familiar verses. I've quoted them often in my life. I don't think I've ever sat and thought about the fact that they're written in the context of Israel's unbelief. This is that part of Romans 9 through 11 where Paul is speaking directly about the people of Israel. And he says, For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He then says these words, How can they call on one they've not believed in? How can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? The trumpet that calls the Jews back to the Lord and the trumpet that ultimately calls all people to the Lord is the preaching of the gospel. You see, just as as the Feast of Trumpets announced God's presence, so does the preaching of the gospel announce God's presence. It declares to the world that God has come in the person of Jesus Christ. And He is coming again to judge the living and the dead. And just as the Feast of Trumpets called the people to prepare themselves accordingly, so does the preaching of the gospel call people everywhere to prepare themselves accordingly by repenting of their sins and believing in Jesus. The Feast of Trumpets is a shadow and a type, a preview of the preaching of the gospel. 
It's through the, through the preaching of the gospel that we sound the trumpet today. It's through the preaching of the gospel that we observe this feast today. It's through the preaching of the gospel that people today are aroused out of their spiritual drowsiness and alerted to the presence of God. I'm going to close with two specific applications that this feast puts on us. The first application is for the church. The Feast of Trumpets reminds the church of her fundamental calling. It's to sound the trumpet. It's to proclaim the gospel. It's to tell the old, old story over and over and over again. Declaring to the whole world what God has done in Christ. And challenging sinners to respond accordingly. This is seen clearly in passages like Acts 6-4, 2 Timothy 4-2, among others. I think we should add that it's not just the sounding of the trumpet that is the church's primary calling, but it's, it's to sound the trumpet as loud and as clear as can be. That's my goal every Sunday when we, when we gather for worship. That's my, that's my logic, right? To, to, to sound the trumpet as loudly and as clearly as can be. And honestly, this, this truth, it ought, it ought to shape our lives throughout the week. I mean, because, because the way we live our lives, let's be honest, we live in a small community. Many of the people around us know a lot of you guys go to church here at Prosper. And the way we live our lives can have a significant effect on either, on either muffling the trumpet that sounds here on Sunday morning or amplifying the trumpet that sounds here on Sunday morning. Right? That the way you live your life can muffle the trumpet blast, can muffle what we do here right now, or it can amplify what we do here right now. You have to understand that. Our calling is to preach the gospel. And myself and the elders try very hard to preach the gospel every Sunday, to make sure that every Sunday when we're here, the, the gospel is trumpeted forth. But all of us together, all of us together have a part to play in either muffling that trumpet blast or amplifying that trumpet blast. The church's primary calling is to sound the trumpet as loudly and as clearly as possible. And you have a part to play in that. Don't think you don't. The second application is for you. The first one was for you too, but the second one is for you. You too must sound the trumpet. You too must sound the trumpet. Uh, what's his name? I can't think of his name. Tom Rayner. He writes on leadership in the church. And um, I've been blessed by his ministry. He's done a lot of consult consulting churches and ministries. He wrote a book some years ago called Autopsy of a Deceased Church. And one of the marks of a deceased church that he noticed over and over again was no evangelism. The people weren't taking the gospel out into the community, right? If we leave the trumpeting of the gospel to the pastor on Sunday, we're dead, right? We're dead. You guys know that. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. All of us together have the job of trumpeting the gospel. I get the easy job. 
Doing it on Sunday morning where you expect me to do it. I'm not exempt from doing it the rest of the week. Don't get me wrong. This is easy. You come here, you expect me to to declare to you the gospel. You expect me to declare that God has come in Jesus, he's coming again, and there's mercy full and free for all who come to the cross. That's easy. That's not hard. You expect it from me. The hard part is taking it out there, but we need to take it out there. All of us are called to sound the trumpet in our community. When I preached on the first feast of of the Sabbath day, uh, I noted in that message that that at in the new covenant, right, after the death and resurrection of Jesus, every day is now Sabbath day. Every day is a day holy unto the Lord. We can actually apply that logic to every one of these feasts. Every day now is Passover and that it's a day to live beneath the blood of the Lamb. And every day is unleavened bread and that it's a good day to root the leaven of sin out of our lives. And every day is first fruits, and that it's a good day to, to commit ourselves again to the Lord and to doing His will. And every day is the Feast of Weeks, and that every day we're called to live by the Spirit and in accordance with the Spirit. And every day, every day is the Feast of Trumpets. It's something we're to observe as we, as we preach the gospel, as we share the good news of Jesus Christ with those whom God has put in our path. Children, co-workers, Neighbors, whoever. Some years ago, David Blanton was speaking at a church in Hudsonville. David Blanton uh, is one of the guys on the Realtree hunting videos. You might have no idea who he is. Anyway, he's a Christian. He was speaking at this church. I had seen him on the Realtree hunting videos. Actually couldn't go. I got the synopsis from my buddy. I was disappointed. But I was interested. I was intrigued. And uh, while he was speaking, he told about his, his close friendship with with Dale Earnhardt. Uh, the two had did a lot of hunting together over the years for Realtree. They grew close. And Blanton said he always wanted to ask Earnhardt about his faith and about whether or not he was a Christian. But he kept putting it off, and he kept putting it off, and he kept putting it off. And then February 2001, Earnhardt suddenly died uh, in the Daytona 500. Just like that, he was gone. And Blanton said, it haunts me. This is 10 years later. Blanton said, it haunts me that I never asked. I never followed through. I never... Some of us might very well have similar stories. Others of us might be on the verge of having similar stories. There might be someone in our life, a neighbor, a friend, a coworker, a classmate, a child, a sibling, a parent, who frankly, we don't know what their spiritual condition is. We don't know if they've put their hope for life and death in Christ the Savior. We do not know if they're prepared for the Lord. Well, hear me clearly. Today is the day to blow the trumpet. Today is the day to announce that God has come in the person of Jesus Christ. And He's lived the life we haven't. And he's died the death we deserve. And he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven. He's coming again. But in the meantime, he says there's salvation in my blood. Now's the time to sound the trumpet. And don't you dare forget about what we talked about last week. Jesus has given you the Holy Spirit to help you do this. He has given you the Holy Spirit to empower your witness. We let ourselves off the hook way too easy. 
when it comes to witnessing and sharing the gospel. I'm not good at it. That's for other people. Well, you're right. You aren't good at it. That's why he gave you the Holy Spirit to help you. God himself lives within you, Christian. He lives within you. You are weak, but he is strong. Today is the day to sound the trumpet. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for the Feast of Trumpets, the feast that points us forward to your coming again in power and in glory, the feast that calls us to prepare ourselves by resting in Christ alone for salvation, the feast that calls us to sound the trumpet in its own right today as we proclaim the good news of salvation for sinners in Jesus Christ alone and call others to believe on His name. Lord God, we confess that we often dismiss this calling. It's difficult. It's awkward. Uh, It's just easier not to do. But we pray that You would lay it on our hearts to share the gospel with those whom we need to, to announce the good news. May Your Spirit empower us, Lord, for Jesus' sake. Amen. We're going to stand and sing, Jesus Saves.
Receive this parting blessing. The words of Jesus, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Amen.